Hello, and welcome to Big Fish in the Talent Pool with your host, Aaron Peterson, partner and global talent acquisition consultant with People Results. In each episode, Aaron interviews a corporate head of talent acquisition to shine a light on how they got there, what keeps them up at night, and their views on all the hot topics in TA today. There's nothing Erin is afraid to ask because she's been there. Now here's your host, Erin Peterson. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Big Fish in the Talent Pool. I'm here with a different kind of big fish today, facilitator, author, speaker, and you probably know her as the searchologist, the one and only Katrina Collier. Katrina, thanks so much for joining me today from London, correct? That is correct. I am in London, and it is beautiful, sunny weather. Oh, we, I, I keep calling it pandemic weather. It's just been divine for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and fittingly so, because we need a little bright spot in the middle of this, uh, you know, sheltering in place, right? Certainly do. Definitely. Yikes. Well, we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more. Just again, to make sure that my listeners know, you know, more about you, they probably know who you are, but they might not know everything that you've done. It seems like you're everywhere doing everything. I have a lot of energy, but I have to say, when I look at this list of accomplishments, I'm like, geez, you have a lot of, you, you have a ton of energy. So years ago, you, dis, you, you imported Disrupt HR. So you didn't start Disrupt HR, but you attended it in New York and then decided to bring it back to London and started it there. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely correct. I, mm-hmm. I should hasten to add, uh, my children have four legs, so I've got two dogs. That's probably why I have a little bit more time <laughs> to have a little bit more energy. Particularly, uh, yeah, shout out to all the parents homeschooling at the moment. So yes, indeed. I think that's probably why. But yes, I did bring Disrupt across the pond and it went nuts. It was so needed. It's been amazing. In addition to that, you, you of course, your, your day job, let's call it, you create a consultancy <laughs> on candidate engagement. Uh, you serve clients in that realm, but also have started a mastermind certification training program for recruiters. And is this specifically related to your robot proofing their skills and career, or have you, you, you've been training for years and years and now added this to your toolkit? Am I right? So the background is, you know, I was agency recruitment, in-house recruitment, and then really around the time that we had the last recession, so 2008, Mm 9 I got out of all of that. And I wanted to go and start teaching social recruiting, but I was too early. <laughs> when you mm-hmm. think about it, mm-hmm. it could be too early in 2020. So I then went in-house for a while, came out, and then I trained from 2012 onwards. But then Kogan Page, the publisher, actually asked me if I would like to write a book. And it was like, oh, it has to be the Robot Proof Recruiter. It can't be anything else because I don't believe that recruiters can be replaced by robots, but there's so much scaremongering in the HR tech space. Yeah. So I wanted to do that, but really... Then once I'd done that, I was like, I don't want to train anymore because mm-hmm. everybody has the best intention to implement training, but yeah. then they don't because their day job gets in the way. So I've shifted to facilitation. And of course, I'm still speaking. I've been speaking for eight or nine years um, all around the world, which is mind blowing. And then I thought, well, hang on. All my income has currently like gone out the window, <laughs> hey. little inconvenient virus. What can I create? Well, everyone's been saying to me, could you create something that brings the robot proof recruiter to life? So I thought, actually, I'm going to do a mastermind. So it's different to other stuff that's out there. You know, we'll, we'll come together in these little pods and everyone will have a voice and everyone will exchange ideas and we'll focus on one human skill. So it's all sort of evolved from mm-hmm. the book, but people asking, people saying there's a need. Uh-huh. There's lots of technical sourcing training and there's lots of marketing training, but there's not the human that's specific to recruitment training. But I wanted to make it seed implement it. 
so that it was just one at a time. I love it. And so facilitation versus training, how, how are you distinguishing that? So I run what we call lightning decision jam, which is really taking from that sort of agile design thinking. And the reason I love it so much is it's important to me that people speak and are heard. You know, that a larger person like me doesn't drown you out. Mm -hmm. And the way they work with the post-it notes is it's everyone gets heard. So the idea is to inspire people to improve the candidate experience and the way they engage with people. But to get, be it hiring managers, HR, TA, all on the same page, mm -hmm. but democratically. So I really don't like almost drop in <laughs> and go, okay, this is an issue. I can see there's an issue here with candidate experience. How are we going to fix it? Where do you think the problem is? And everybody comes up with their ideas and votes on them. And at the end of a very short time, time period, it's like two to three hours. Yeah. Um, and it can be done virtually, which is amazing. Whereas with training, it's like a lot of me telling you what to do. And actually consulting yeah. can be a bit that way. My skill is inspiring people to do better. I'm that's where I'm at in my element. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do the day to day. You know, obviously you're a keynote and a presenter. And as you said, you've kind of pivoted now to being more of a facilitator, which is awesome. But you also volunteer. You raise a lot of money for Hope for Justice, which we will come back to later. Yeah. And this is actually what prompted me to want to get you on the podcast because there was the Recruiting Brain Food Marathon that I yes. first kind of, I mean, I knew who you were, but I hadn't really seen you present. And so you and your um, co-host of the social recruiting show, Glenn Martin, Glenn Martin. You, you, you guys um, made a really fun and interesting presentation on there. And, and the topic came up of human trafficking and current day slavery and the fact that you're involved in that. So Hope for Justice aimed at modern day slavery. And what happened in 2016 was Ian Pettigrew put a post on Facebook that said, I'm gathering a team of people with HR skills and me, somehow I got to go because I really fall on the recruitment TA side. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to take a team to Africa and we're going to work with the staff and carers of these street kids. So I went, oh yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, typical Katrina staff, no thought, just instinct. Mm -hmm. And it changed my life. I had um, went to Africa, gave everything I could, threw myself in, was mind blown by the unconditional love that these carers and, and staff show for these kids to get them back to a safe and loving home. And then I went back in 2018 and could see how much they'd changed from the work we'd done with them. And I just cannot raise them enough money. So everything that I do, there is an element that will go towards the charity. So be it the sponsors from Disrupt HR, the royalties from the book, you know, wherever I can, I'm forever raising money in whatever way I can. Um, it's just like it, constantly thinking of ways because what they do is so incredible. And if we can stem the flow of street kids into the slum, we will stop them getting people trafficked or worse into the sex trade through London, the global hub of people trafficking. Mm. Um, so that's hope for justice aim is to end that. There's 40.3 million people impacted. So, Wow. You know, you mentioned the sources of fundraising that you use to contribute to that important mm. cause. I loved seeing on your website that you have a fair trade brain picking session. <laughs> So yes. talk about that. <laughs> hmm. um, so how that came away about, there are uh, many HR tech vendors out there who just want to pick my brain. Mm -hmm. And they just want to go, oh, well, Katrina, could you look at this product and tell us what you think and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. I've got bills to pay. Um, yeah. And they always seem quite reluctant to like pay, invest in an expert to look at their product, mm -hmm. which I kind of find quite amusing. They sort of think I'll resell it and I refuse. I'm Switzerland. I will not 
recommend technology. I mean, unless it blows my mind, um, I, I just won't because I, I don't think it's right. Um, I think if HR or TA are looking for technology, they should ask the people that they know, ask their networks, find the people who use it day in and day out and see what they think. Mm -hmm. So I created that. Um, I was inspired by a friend of mine and just going, can we make this a fair exchange? So if you do want to pick my brain, I'd like you to make a donation to the charity. And it was funny, you know, it, it's been quite a deterrent more than anything else, which is a bit of a shame. <laughs> I hoped um, many, many people would actually go, yeah, yeah, no, but actually it's just uh, an eye-opening to me as well because, yeah. you know, a lot of them have got VC funding, so could quite happily make a uh, charity donation. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we know this from, you know, webinars and conferences, what we don't mm. pay for, we don't value, right? So I think exactly. if, they're, if they're willing to step up and contribute and fair exchange your time for contribution, they'll, they'll value it more. Absolutely. And also, I mean, I, I think it's a bit short-sighted because obviously I, you know, if I see a product then and do actually think, wow, you are mm -hmm. listening to me and actually this will yeah. create time for people and create ease for people. Of course, I would say, oh, have you tried this? Yeah. I don't want to recommend anything, but at least I would say, have you looked at it? Right. Speaking of the marketplace, clearly there is an appetite for more and more and more information about technology in, in talent acquisition. And you talk about all that on the social recruiting show. Mm. As I mentioned that you co-host with Glenn Martin, who is adorable. And the way you interact <laughs> together is just so delightful. I get a big kick out of it. For a while, you were just on YouTube, but I think you've expanded recently, right? Now you're on LinkedIn, yeah. Facebook Live, and Periscope. Why the expansion on the platforms? Just curious. Well, so actually, if we go back, we actually started in 2015, but I had a different co-host. So oh, Audra Knight yes. actually pitched it to me uh -huh. when Blab existed, and Blab was a video chat platform. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome, but sadly it folded which was heartbreaking because oh. we had this loyal following that would tune in live. I mean, mm -hmm. tuning in live is a big commitment as well because it's video. So we went there and then we went to Crowdcast for a while, which I do highly recommend. Mm -hmm. Then unfortunately, Audrey just couldn't. She got a new job, which she absolutely loves, but yeah, she's got she's no terrific. time. I, she's I amazing. Mm -hmm. um, she is really one of my closest friends and also quite rock and roll. So hence Glenn works quite well because he also <laughs> is. So they actually were perfect. Uh, but she just couldn't, she didn't have the bandwidth anymore. So um, Glenn stepped in and he does bring a wonderfully different dynamic to it. He's a lot more prepped than I am as well. So he always asks the curve. Oh, interesting. Which is fun. you got to have the yin and yang, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I do always want to strike his beard, which I, I might occasionally do in real life. Or LinkedIn actually asked me if I would like to run it on LinkedIn Live. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, okay. So I already had Crowdcast streaming out to Facebook and YouTube. So I thought, okay, well, I'll switch to StreamYard, which allows mm -hmm. me to stream out to all of them. So okay, it's good. a bit like we, we go out. And it is amazing because people can comment wherever they watch. So I'm seeing people commenting on Periscope and YouTube in places you probably wouldn't expect. And yeah. they're interacting with us just as much as they are on LinkedIn or Facebook. Cool. So yes. that, that's why the expansion. But um, it's great. Mm -hmm. but I just I love it when people can tune in and ask questions. And yeah. we like to acknowledge everyone and make it fun. And so topics that you cover on there it took a sort of a little snapshot of a number of them that have come up, uh, you know, how to actually manage hiring managers remotely or post-pandemic considerations for TA or keeping your head and making smart decisions or mentees, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> a little nod to Star Wars there. 
Uh, mm. Challenges to transgender inclusion in 2018 and beyond. So mm. how do you come up with the topics for your social recruiting show? Is it guest driven or do you find guests to talk about the topics that you think are hot and relevant and interesting? I'm guest driven. Mm -hmm. So we tend to, so I might see a post on LinkedIn and be like, oh, that'd make a really good show topic. And I might ask them if they'd like to speak. But mm -hmm. I always want people to talk about the thing that makes them sit up and buzz. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, I think, one, I think we should all be doing the work that makes us sit up, not slouch. Yeah. You know, what makes you light up? So it comes from the guest. And actually, it's exactly the same with Disrupt HR. You know, you've got a five-minute talk and people say, what do you want me to talk about? I'm like, oh, I don't know. You tell me what you're talking about because that's not fair to make someone talk about something that doesn't make them sit up right? and, and that they're excited about and they want to share with people. Um, and, you know, my, I've got very high values of speaking and being heard and I want others to speak and be heard. I guess because I've spoken, I mean, literally around the world. I haven't gone oh, to South America, final continent. I haven't spoken on yet. And I actually had one booked in for later in the year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm check that I box. Was, I was going to have got my all my six continents you can possibly speak on, but I have this extraordinary network of humans mm -hmm. uh, all across the world. So you know, it's often it's just someone that's just right in front of me. Like, oh, but it's like it doesn't have to be corporate and formal and death by PowerPoint. Yeah, it's okay right. to laugh. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's our aim. <laughs> and with talent acquisition, sometimes if you didn't laugh, you'd cry, right? So that's exactly, a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> and while Katrina did not come on this podcast to promote her new book, she just happens to have one. It's called The Robot Proof Recruiter, <laughs> A Survival Guide for Recruitment and Sourcing Professionals. Of course, I took a look at where I could get such a thing and Amazon. Our buddies at Amazon have it for around $25 U.S., uh, you're welcome for the shameless plug, Katrina. I thought I'd get to it before Appreciate you that. and save yep. the trouble. I know that's not your your intention here, but I do. I did get it on Kindle and uh, I have you. really been enjoying reading it. The way they describe it is the robot proof recruiter shows you how to use the tools that reveal information that can be used to grab a potential candidate's attention among the overwhelming volume of material online. So you, you're you're working to cut through the noise. I think. Yeah. Full of expert guidance and practical tips, this book explains what works, what doesn't, and how you can stand out and recruit effectively in the world of a technology overload. If you were to say like, Trina, it's the end of 2030, you're looking back on the last decade, what have you done? Mm -hmm. And I will have got the people who recruit people to treat people better. Mm. That's my overall arching yeah. theme. So the whole book is about let's get the technology, putting the human first and creating time and ease for the people that do recruitment. Yeah. So that they can put the human first. So that's probably a good summary. But what I will say when you talk about full of expert guidance, I didn't want anyone to go, uh, excuse me, Collier, when did you last recruit? Um, mm -hmm. So I have got 74 other voices in the book backing up my thinking with Fantastic. actual examples, as you will have seen. You're like, you want to stick post-it mm -hmm. notes in yeah. it and write on it. Right. Um, and can I just remind the listener that the royalties go to Hope for Justice, so shameless plug is for Hope for Justice. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I, I love it. And I'm uh, happy to promote it for that reasons and many others. Interesting that in 2030, you look back and if you will have helped us recruiters treat people more humanely, that that will be a success. You know, when I was growing Technology. up in recruiting, I, I mean, that was the only way to treat candidates. You had to sell them the opportunity. You had to treat them well. Mm -hmm. uh, wh what is it? Where? How have we arrived at this place where a, a book needs to be written about treating people more humanely? Technology. <laughs> Literally. So it's really funny because people go, oh, 
what was the biggest game changer? Oh, it was this, it was AI, it was blah, blah, blah. No, it wasn't. It was the internet. Mm. The internet was the thing that changed recruitment, Mm -hmm. irreversibly changed recruitment. You know, we were able to start sending emails rather than phoning people. We were able, you know, people could see, I can see recruiter, jobs, London, enter, how many jobs there are. So the candidate became in charge instead of the employer. Like that was the thing, that transparency piece. But also it gave people a way to ignore people. So I apply for your role, I get that very boring, autom- you know, automatic responder that really basically says you're going to ignore me if I'm not right for the role and, you know, I can not reply to your emails, I can not reply to your text messages. And, and unfortunately, that is what has happened. I feel I have spent enough time on global stages talking to recruiters and talking to HR and I believe they understand the importance of candidate experience or they're getting there. Yeah. And certainly, uh, you know, you've already referred to um, my, my good friend, Jerry Crispin, for example, um, and Talent Board and what they're doing. Of course, it's becoming more and more on the radar. Hence, my focus really wants to go to the hiring managers. Mm-hmm. So, bless, I'm a great engineer, so I'll promote you to a manager and suddenly you're in charge of interviewing. You don't know what you're doing. And they're in their bubble doing their day job and recruitment's 5% of what they do. They don't yeah. realise how badly they're treating people. They don't mm-hmm. realise the impact of their interview technique or their lack of feedback or whatever it is. The descriptors that you use in the book that you you say, well, you have a number of them and I'll pull out just a couple, yeah. that you say make a great recruiter and hiring manager to your earlier yes. point. Curiosity, <laughs> empathy, yep. self-awareness. These are some of the robot-proof skills that you talk about. Mm. So so what are some examples of those? Curiosity, empathy, self, self-awareness. It's really tough because I, I don't know if you would know what highly sensitive people are. But they're, they're one in five as a highly sensitive person, and it is actually a genetic trait. And I'm one, so I am naturally all of those things. Mm. Uh, I've probably learned some self-awareness over the years, but certainly curiosity and empathy are just, I've just got it in bucket loads. I just, mm-hmm. I can put myself in your shoes and I can go digging. I'm, I'm like naturally inquisitive. I want to know. I'm like the cheeky toddler that's constantly going, why? But why? <laughs> but why? <laughs> why? And I'll go looking, you know. I don't know how to do something. I'll go looking. But I feel technology has created a lot of laziness around that. So I think that's some mm. of the stuff I'm referring to, you know, like I can just send you a message rather than taking the time to look properly at your profiles, to click across to your other social networks, to see what you're really talking about and what you're really about. Mm-hmm. It's like that. I can just spam. There's this We've, we've lost that. And if yeah. you want to behave like that, if you just want to, I found Erin, I'll message Erin. Well, then you can just, a robot can do that. But if you and want to get Erin's attention, mm-hmm. then that's when you use the human curiosity. Oh, well, I see that about Erin. I'm going to mention that in my messaging mm-hmm. and that's going to stand out from someone else. Or so when I'm talking to her, I'm going to mention this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. Like I always talk about, I have dogs. Please don't talk to me about flexible working in your creche or nursery uh, or, or any of that, or your healthcare plan, I'm not interested. But you go, oh, we've got a bring dog to work policy. I'll sit both upright. Nice. You know, it's going to make yes. a huge difference to me. So it's that by doing your research. Yeah. Um, and to me, the empathy and self-awareness is empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of the other person, but really you have to have compassion with it as well because you want mm-hmm. to want the best for them or it mm-hmm. won't work. Robots cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And then the self-awareness piece I think is quite tough and it's been interesting launching the mastermind. Because a couple of people who've queried on queried me on it are actually the ones that don't see that they really need it, which I found quite fascinating. Because mm-hmm. it is hard to step out from yourself and mm-hmm. and go, well, actually, that isn't a strength of mine. I need to work on that. But mm-hmm. as recruiters, what we do is we play with people's lives. So if we're not aware of how we're coming across, we could really 
can be detrimental to someone's career. And bravery, Katrina. You mentioned bravery making us better recruiters. To know that no is a complete sentence. The hiring manager's like, well, I want you to work on this role and here's the three-year-old job description and off you go. No, we're going to sit down and we're going to spend an hour together and we're going to do a proper intake strategy. Said, oh, no, we're not. Okay, well, I'm not going to work on your role. Uh, what? But like, if you don't get that, that to me is the most, like I call it chapter five of my book. It's the most critical part of the entire hiring process is the information you get out of the heart from the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. That to me is the most crucial part. And that involves that fearlessness because hiring managers tend to lord it over recruiters thinking, oh, well, they're just a, an admin function. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's having the, the uh, fearlessness, the bravery, the audacity, whatever you'd like to call it. You just go, look, when you're ready to give me the time, that's going to save you hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of time down the line. We mm-hmm. can revisit this. But right. of course, you have to know your heads of talent acquisition back you up. The number one thing that will stop candidate ghosting is feedback. Respect. The feedback could be, I don't have any news for you right now. Mm-hmm. But if someone has interviewed on your premises, wow. Imagine if it was, do you know what? The hiring manager noticed your shoes weren't polished and we're a client-facing professional services company. Imagine that that, that person then goes into the next interview with polished shoes and gets a job because they might have even realised they'd muddied up their shoes or whatever right. it might be. Our job is, again, we're playing with people's lives. It's so important that we give the feedback. And that can take some fearlessness or some mm-hmm. bravery, which, of course, I know, you know, particularly in the US, it's such a litigation culture, which is such a shame, that there can be some fear around doing that of the implication. And I guess you do have to pick your audience. But I love one of the contributions Mark Mansell made in the book, which is from Australia, admittedly, um, which is actually where I'm from, if everyone's wondering about the confused accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, why don't you email the candidate so I email you Erin and I say I have some feedback for you would you like it if you'd like it book a time in my diary because some people don't want the feedback but at least you're putting it to them it's the payment for the time that they spent at your premises interviewing or on the phone interviewing or on video interviewing and I and I love the Brene Brown quote clear Mm. is kind unclear is unkind and I think this is a time when we're all being encouraged to be more kind if you think about it from the point of view, I shall never forget this. I flew in to speak at Recruit DC and I, and this is 2017, 16, 17, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming out or opening my phone at that point with my thumbprint, ordering an Uber, sitting in the back of the Uber, transferring some money around with one of my bank accounts and doing something else. Oh, you're going to the hotel. I didn't even know what hotel I was staying at. I was being very blasé. But I had the certainty in my hand. I had the clarity in my hand. We crave clarity. We crave the certainty of where we're going. Exactly. And, and again, that's, that's our job yeah. to give yeah. that as much as and we can. And how much more important is that when lives are being changed? You're literally standing Absolutely. at the crossroads with a candidate. Be, be clear, be kind. Yep. So thank you for that encouragement. Up front in the book, you state that high volume recruiting is not part of your experience. Mm-mm. It is definitely part of mine. And, and I would add that there are multiple ways that your principles can apply to high mm-hmm. volume environments. Do you really think high and low volume is that different? I guess what I meant by that, I've never done the kind of roles where you could put an advertisement out and hundreds of people would apply. So, so to me, that's what I sort of think of as high volume. There's lots and lots of people out there that possibly can do that job. I've done the, you've got to go and dig and find them and hunt them out and lure them and to woo them to your opportunity. So that's what I, I wanted to be really clear. That's what I was aiming the book at. I think you should always treat 
all people as well as you possibly can. And certainly there's technology that can help you with that high volume applications to convey IQ that will send like rich media text messages and things like that. And I think just adding your name and your email to your autoresponder to say, I'm human, I may lose your application. Please feel free to chase me up because you want those ones that chase you up. Anything you learned from this book and the whole writing of it? So it's your first book. So what, you know, what would you do differently next time as you reflect on how that all went? I hate my keyboard. Um, <laughs> do you know, it's really interesting. I, like, I literally, I have 75,000 words. Oh, staying true to what I wanted to tell. So I, I mentioned earlier that I wanted to stay as neutral as possible. So if it came to, we were talking about pre-boarding, on-border or in-border is the most extraordinary tool for pre-border. So I would be happily recommending that technology because so many people had told me. But then we might get to a bit about applicant tracking systems and there are three billion of them out there. I mean, there are so many and everyone has an opinion. And I was like, if I started to get to that and felt I needed to recommend, then I would, I'd literally not write anything for the entire day because I was stepping too far away from my truth where I was comfortable, where I felt that I was adding value. And that was a really big learning curve just to go, well, well, hang on, why can't I write? Why is it I've been here all day, I've written 400 words, what's going on? And it would be that. So I think I would pick up on that faster to go, okay, you, the reason you're blocked is you're, you're straying from what you really want to be saying. You're mm-hmm. straying from the value you want to add, get back to your truth. And I just have to say, I, I have never felt so vulnerable in my life as the moment I hit send and I knew the book was finished and I sent the final, final, final bit to Kogan Page, the publisher, and I sat and I sobbed for an hour because I felt oh. so vulnerable that there's one thing to stand on a stage and rant on for 45 minutes mm-hmm. compared to writing out your opinion in a book and mm-hmm. sending it to the world to be picked on. I've yeah. never felt so vulnerable in my life, but I have been truly awed, like proper mind blow awe by the feedback. I cannot wow. thank each and every one of you who has taken the time to message me or to you know, share a picture of it, particularly when it's got post-it notes and stuff like that. I love that. Nobody tells you this about writing a book, that people will just message you. You don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. I was chatting with this girl in Argentina. She goes, I'm sitting here with my husband. He can't believe I'm chatting with you. I go, but I'm so awed you bought my book. I'm like, I want to talk to you. You know, and it's, it, it, it's genuinely mind-blowing. Um, yeah. yeah, nobody tells you about that side. They just like, well, oh, yeah, just write a book. You yeah. obviously touched a nerve, filled a need, spoke mm. to a heart. I mean, all that matters in, uh, well, always, but especially in these times, I think people are looking for connection. They're looking for expertise. They're looking for, you know, what matters. If in fact, treating people humanely, both in life and in business makes sense, then apparently you, you've, you've spoken to our collective heart. And I think also, I felt we were really needing a book that was like really gritty like oh, mm-hmm. I can write on it. I can mm-hmm. use it. I, it's called a manual for a reason. You know, yeah. you can literally open a page at any point and go, oh, there's something else to go and look at. And you know, there's lots of sending you off down little rabbit warrens if you're curious and you want to know. <laughs> Working with a publisher for your first book, I think is amazing because it made me a better writer. Um, and But I was also amazed they left my voice in there. You know, I might've had to tone down a few things, but it does sound like me. And that, that meant a lot as well. Oh, for so. sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Unrelated to the book or you know, really <laughs> any particular topic we've already talked about, um, Katrina, we all have our failures and most mm-hmm. of us don't really want to revisit them. I know I don't. Is there one that you'd be willing to share that could help future talent leaders or really anyone, any of us trying to get through this life, uh, avoid a pitfall? Do I have a specific one? There've been so many. Um, 
Do you know, I think I, I've got to avoid answering with a specific, mind you, I still remember that the girl that came in to interview and I didn't give her feedback, mm-hmm. which is still mm-hmm. haunting me from 2008, but um, yeah. moving on. I look for the silver lining. I look for the gift. So whatever mistake I make with curiosity and a lot of self-compassion, I look for what's the gift here? Like even in this pandemic, even with all my income being postponed to the end, into the year, probably into 2021, mm-hmm. it was like, well, actually, I've been wanting to do this mastermind for ages. Here's the breathing space to do it. <laughs> the time has just opened up. You are going to be at home. <laughs> you know, like what's the silver lining? And I feel if people can, instead of beating themselves up, and particularly women who just constantly say sorry or just actually just look at it and go, oh, okay, I see what's wrong there. Mm-hmm. And just go, okay, I've learned that lesson and move on. I think if you, it, it, because also the way the universe works, if you don't learn your lesson, it's going to send you a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger <laughs> one until really you're being slapped down, yeah. you know. And and so I think it's just with some curiosity and some self-compassion, just, mm. ah, okay, right. I see the benefit of that really bad experience. Yeah. And then you can let it go. All right. Well, then let's say an ambitious recruiter who wants to be a leader in talent acquisition or Mm-hmm. wants to have a YouTube chat show like you do or write a book, mm-hmm. <laughs> contacts yeah. you for advice. How would you advise them personally? I've been very, very open uh, about my child abuse. And actually, it's really interesting that you talk about uh, Glenn and say how well we get on. Glenn knew me before I worked on my child abuse, before I healed and I let go, when I was very toxic, very prickly, very defensive, not open, like just, I, you know, mm. from a very young age, I'd had to protect myself. And I've been really open about it, but my gosh, did it hold me back. It held me back on every element of my life because I was in victim mode, not in, okay, I can see the silver lining from having been through the child abuse. Mm -hmm. So I have worked on it. And I feel if you want to be a leader, you have to constantly be developing. You have to be constantly willing to look at yourself and go, actually, you know, I need to let go of that or I need to improve that. And it's tough because we all have our filters and we all have our experiences that make us the way that we are. But I cannot recommend enough. I mean, it doesn't, and believe me, you don't have to have gone through the trauma of child abuse to to want to work on yourself. It could just be, oh, I don't understand why I keep coming up against the same thing all the time. Seek some help. Uh, You know, if you've got trusted people, you can ask to, you know, where's an area I need to work on. Mm -hmm. I really feel that, that healing to the greatest extent we can because I was so monumentally messy in my 20s and 30s it blows my mind when people come up to me now and say oh gosh you've just inspired me you know you've inspired me to start a podcast or stand on a stage and and I'm just like uh-huh uh-huh um like in my head kind of like what because like me that, because <laughs> it's that imposter complex that I never realized healing my stuff would yeah. do that for people when you do truly when you're truly happy from within everything changes, literally everything. So that would be my huge thing, which might not have been quite what you're expecting me to say, but believe you can like get to that point where actually you just go, I'm just happy. Wow. What an inspiration. Oh. Thank you for that. That is that you're right. I didn't expect you to say that. And no, it's no, it's probably <laughs> among the most impactful that my listeners will hear. And so oh, I, I think you. that's a great place for us to end, except one more question. Oh, oh good. Anything else? Okay, maybe it fits into this, but I'm just thinking anything else you'd like future recruitment professionals and leaders to know about you, what you stand for, uh, and or a last piece of advice? Absolutely. Know your values and know your strengths. So again, 
I did. Uh, you've talked a lot about Brene Brown. Actually, uh, perhaps my coach, stroke therapist, has done a lot of her stuff. I actually haven't personally, but I've done a lot of Dr. John Martini stuff. Um, and he has a book called The Values Factor. And if you go through it, you can discover what your actual values are, not your put on societal values, your actual values. Because believe me, you have surrounded yourself with them. <laughs> so they're all around you. And I know from my childhood that freedom, and I've managed to find freedom even in lockdown, freedom, speaking, being heard, community and fun are my five highest values. Anything I do that involves those, I succeed at. I don't even need to think about and I succeed at. Hmm. Go find your values and go live them. Create the job that fits them. If you want to stay employed, you can, I'm sure you can. There'll be opportunity for you to do that. Or if you, you know, want to go and launch on your own, um, there'll be a lot of new businesses come out of this uh, pandemic yes. as well, just like in 2008. But I, I cannot recommend enough that book. Um, and actually, if you've got something you really want to let go with, his breakthrough weekend is very long and very exhausting, but amazing for letting go of stuff as well. So, okay. There All right. Go. Well, we'll Again, definitely not put those in the expected. show notes. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But but this is this is who you are. You don't mm. necessarily come with what everyone's expecting, which is why you're mm. well loved and listened Thank to, you. and why I'm just so grateful for your time and for the ability to be on the show. And I am putting hope for justice on my list of uh, contributions that I'm going to make in 2020. So, Thank well, this has been lovely. Thank you so much, Katrina, and uh, all the best to you. And let's all Thank be safe you. and healthy so that we can be fit to serve in the coming years when we things are more open up. Thanks, Erin. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. This podcast is independently produced in collaboration with ERE.net, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can email Erin directly at E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N at people-results.com. You can also follow Erin on Twitter at Erin McPeterson, connect with her on LinkedIn, and learn more about her practice at people-results.com. 